I think a really deepened part of motherhood is, um, you know, what is natural for many women, some of us not so much, but that nurturing aspect of who we are. And as to just everything you were saying before about like women's rights and having the ability to choose and all of that, it brings me back to what I was saying at the top of our conversation with like, we just need to be able to put ourselves in another woman's shoes. And it goes so far beyond that when you're talking about this specifically, because it's like uh, how many more thousands of women need to actually be in positions of power to make things right, who are all of the same belief. You know, maybe that maybe not every woman feels that way or believes that. I'm sure not every woman feels that way or believes that. But again, like just being able to support one another from any gender standpoint, from any nationality, background, societal circumstance, whatever it may be, just being able to be humble enough to say, okay, her life is not mine. Let me put myself here for two seconds and like try to understand like that's really what creates the strength in community. And if we don't have that, then what do we have? Like, really, if you think about it, if we don't have that and we can't lean on one another during these crazy difficult times, as you're explaining, like all these stories that we've just walked through in our lives, if you think about those moments and you think about what it feels like to not have someone to turn to during times like that, like how soul crushing, Mm -hmm. how crushing is that? And, and how do we change that? I, I think that's a big question today and has been for a very long time. Censored Podcast, Season 3, Episode 24, Part 2, as I continue my conversation with my producers, as we continue to talk about being in alignment authentically and being positive as women collectively, and how we can really make and change things for the better by being in alignment and choosing to be a positive resource for one another. I look forward to you continuing to listen to our conversation. So grab that coffee and grab that cannoli, because here we go. Going back to your mother's, you know, groups of asking questions and having empathy. If I told you how many women said to me, well, you're not a mother. What could you possibly know about being a mother? Are you fucking kidding me right now? I probably wipe more noses and more asses than you could even imagine before you spread your legs. Yeah, I think a really deepened part of motherhood is, um, you know, what is natural for many women, some of us not so much, but that nurturing aspect of who we are. And as to just everything you were saying before about like, women's rights and having the ability to choose and all of that. It brings me back to what I was saying at the top of our conversation with like, we just need to be able to put ourselves in another woman's shoes. And it goes so far beyond that when you're talking about this specifically, because it's like uh, how many more thousands of women need to actually be in positions of power to make things right. Who are all of the same belief, you know, maybe that maybe not every woman feels that way or believes that I'm sure not every woman feels that way or believes that, but again, like just being able to support one another 
from any gender standpoint, from any nationality, background, societal circumstance, whatever it may be, just being able to be humble enough to say, okay, her life is not mine. Let me put myself here for two seconds and like try to understand like that's really what creates the strength in community. And if we don't have that, then what do we have? Like, really, if you think about it, if we don't have that and we can't lean on one another during these crazy difficult times, as you're explaining, like all these stories that we've just walked through in our lives, if you think about those moments and you think about what it feels like to not have someone to turn to during times like that, like how soul crushing, mm-hmm. how crushing is that? And, and how do we teach that? I, I think that's a big question today and has been for a very long time that we all need to ask ourselves daily. How do we, how do we show up better? How do we change that? How do we just support one another regardless of views and create more equality in our society and in our world so that everybody has the ability to make the choices that are best for them? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think like recognizing the fact that a choice is just that it is your choice to make and you can make one or you can make the other. and it's not like whether or not I would make the same choice as somebody else doesn't make it the right or wrong choice. I was actually talking about somebody talking about this with somebody recently, how like just because like I was defending somebody for making certain choices. And I said, regardless of whether you think you would make the same choice, you can't judge them for making the choice they made. It's like that that's why it is what it is. It's it's a choice that you make for your life and whether or not I would make the same one, it doesn't matter. We're here to just support one another and everyone has a different like expectation for their life. Everyone has a different, like every time a choice comes up in your life, you get to make a decision of which direction you want to go. And there's no right or wrong. You make a decision and then you make it the right one. You figure out how that is going to be the right choice for you. And like, if we can just recognize that and stop judging one another for making whatever choice they're making, the world would be a way better place. <laughs> okay, a way but, better place. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to wrap. No, it's okay. Um, but I, I do think we're, again, I think we're on our way, like we're making progress and having conversations like this wasn't happening years ago. Um, so I think that's a positive thing, but the judgment is where we need to improve. Same thing I said before, it's like, you know, we can say we have choices, but if we're going to be judged endlessly for those choices do we really have choices well and if i may conversations like this actually were being had before you were conceived 
they were being had. That's why, and that's not to correct you. That is to say they were being had. That's why decisions in, in legislation was made on behalf of women. The difference is today we're in such a divided environment, not only in our backyard, but in the world. You know, unfortunately, by traveling and, you know, you get to see in many, most countries how actually very little voices or rights women have are being taken away. And we are living in a country that this is really being challenged and to the point, never in a million years. I mean, I was on my going to become 32 when I had to make that first choice and decision. I wasn't a 15 year old girl. Mm-hmm. I was a grown woman who had already been married, was divorced or in the process of being divorced. Actually, you know, basically my divorce and that all happened all at the same time. More importantly, never in a million years that I have seen that for myself. But I even went on social media recently because with my voice being challenged from having a paralyzed vocal cord from going through thyroid cancer in 2011 to 2016, and having just come out of chemo from ovarian cancer, one of the things that I talked about and the reasons why was because I woke up to the news of a female OBGYN out of Texas who had to have, who had a medical challenge regarding her pregnancy. And I don't know if it was a client of hers or another female coming out of Texas, both had medical issues regarding their pregnancies and they both had to go across state to legally get and terminate so they could not die. Well, to my point, I got so upset that day because I knew one, I needed to use my voice, two, the importance of using one's voice, and three, because unbeknownst to me, even though I didn't have those pregnancies while I was in that violent relationship, my husband that, you know, I've now been with for 23 years, we ended up getting pregnant having a miscarriage that we would never have expected. And that's a conversation that most people don't even know how to wrap their brains around, let alone console and have empathy for. But then in our last pregnancy at age 46, did we find out four months into our pregnancy through genetic testing that our fetus you know, had an extra chromosome. And in the third trimester in statistics and science that it was proven that that baby would die and cause me to die and or would die right after birth. And because of science and technology, if it hadn't been for the rights for us to make that decision legally, then would I have been in the position that this female OBGYN or this other woman was? And ironically, and thankfully, because the laws were on our side, did I get to make that decision with the help of our medical experts who guided us? And am I alive, even though my body continued to pretend like it was carrying a pregnancy? full course. And then even after the fact, when at the nine month period, when I would nine, 10 month period, when I would have delivered the baby, did my insurance company come back, accuse me of an abortion and not wanting to cover the costs, not even understanding that it was medically a termination for the very reasons I just explained. 
and the emotions that came up from that with a, a board of, of anonymous human beings making a decision over my life when we wanted that pregnancy, we wanted that baby, we were adults in a, in a relationship and whether we were in a relationship or I was single or whatever, it was a choice we had to make to keep me alive. And it was a very emotional, difficult choice that now are being challenged for women today, that we're not supporting women, that we're not, we're completely eradicating all support of women when it comes to life choices. And so no matter if you want 20 children that are, you know, embracing you all around you, which I would have given my IT to have all five of my children. I mean, are you kidding me? I'm the epitome of a mother Hubbard. Like, you know, like I could, I could, you know, I couldn't love on more than I, I'd be eating them all up and they'd be, you know, your age right now. And I'd still be chewing on your cheeks. Like, you know, I mean, it's like, you know, you'd be like, all right, mom already. And I'd be like, no, one more, one more nibble. Like, you know, like, just like, I mean, just like, you know, but to that point, it's like, the fact that we're threatening women's lives is not meant to get into political conversation between all of us. It's just to have the, 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 the understanding of we never know what we're going to be faced with. I certainly didn't know at three or 18 or 29 that between the ages of 32 and 46, that would be my experience of being challenged with the possibilities of motherhood. So it's interesting because this goes back to all the things we want to talk about, the power of using one's voice, women supporting women, health, wellness, and motherhood. And then, like I said, marriage, dreams, friendships, shifting of visions, you know, um, doing business with one another and how we support one another. You know, this is part of having those really transparent, authentic conversations where people feel safe and not judged and not having something held over their head. Man, going through domestic violence, if I told you how many people judged me going through that time, while I was holding down jobs, keeping my home over my roof under protective order, to this day, women still hold judgment. I just want to go, who the fuck are you? Really? I mean, honest to God. Yeah. It's laughable. It's tr- I've literally come to a point where I can laugh in people's faces now. But that was never in a million years what I thought was going to be part of my fiber. I mean, I did not ask to go through that. No different than I never asked to go through cancer. I really believe the reason why those things happened is simply to have the ability to to be able to understand and speak on it in a manner from experience, not because I need another notch in the wood, you know? That's exactly what we heard when we first spoke to you is that, you know, you've been through a lot of things in your life and you've experienced a lot of things in your life. And like what we heard was look at how everybody else can benefit from hearing that story. And what can we take away from what this person has gone through? Like there's, and I think 
so many people out there like have so much to share and that's why you know there's a lot of criticism of social media but there's so much good that it can do too yeah just being able to put your story out there and just for other people to be able to see and hear and empathize and you know relate because so many things we go through in life feel so lonely Mm -hmm. right like and things that aren't things that um in times that you're not really alone they can feel lonely Because you don't necessarily have someone going through the exact same thing from the exact same perspective at the exact same time. But open it up to social media and I guarantee you there's someone else out there going through the exact same thing you're going through Mm -hmm. at the exact same time and you can relate to one another. And that's that's the the positive side of social media. And that's where I think we need to take it all (laughs) like forget all this like negativity and judgment and all this stuff the 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 good that social media can do is like where we all need to focus oh i completely agree and and in that respect my takeaway from these last three years because let's face it you know here we are three years later And I remember where I was in May of 2020, on May 30th of 2020. I mean, we were going through the George Floyd bullshit at that time. It was the epitome of that all, you know, happening. And this country just going up in its own form of flames, you know, once again. And, you know, everybody trying to go, oh, my God, it wasn't 14 days. We're now like eight weeks into this pandemic and I can't socialize and I can't go to work and everything shut down. And, you know, it was kind of like people not knowing how to function and the fear of death. And yet, you know just there's layers and layers of watching the world be still and how are people managing through that their mental health their financial wealth their reality their home life if they had a home life you know who they were aligned with under one roof if they were under one roof and could they live safely with those people or not did abuse rise during that time? Did addiction rise during that time? Were people finding themselves and writing their, you know, their novel? Or, 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 or were they falling off a cliff? And um, it was interesting that we all through that, the power of social media, the power of doing things messy and expanding. I mean, my God, in my industry, if I was doing social media, then I wasn't paying attention to my lead actor. You know, I couldn't, I couldn't be on in my face. It's not that people's faces aren't in a phone on a film set. Don't get me wrong. They have been since the iPhone and the smartphone came out. They have been. But if you're really a filmmaker, this is just going to sound kind of like, you know, slightly judgy. But if you're paying attention to what you really are there to do, your face isn't in the phone for the wrong reasons, you know, because you're either watching a scene on your own monitor on your own phone or you're answering an email from a producer or whatever. But technically, you know, Technically, I did not go down this rabbit hole until the pandemic and then made a choice because 
at this very same time, I was going to start launching my athleisure brand that I've been aligned with for the last three years, which is why I got on social media, which is why I started making myself vulnerable, which is why I started exploring and which is how we all ended up meeting by, I think it was like, it had to have been, well, if it was May 2020, May 2021, so it had to have been like a year, year and a half into the pandemic before we met, basically. So um, I had definitely at that point done a, a, a lot of, you know, doing it messy. And, yeah. and in the last year and a half since, have because of doing it messy and expanding, seen the power of how social media can powerfully connect. I mean, some of my closest relationships currently in my life, strangely, came out of social media. Isn't that so, so interesting? Like, not, I don't want, if you have more to your thought, please. Yeah, finish. no, 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 please. Okay. So, like, this, from the beginning of that little riff there, this has been in my mind. I had this interaction early on in the pandemic, maybe not so early on, maybe like six months into the pandemic, where somebody was like on this rant. I can't remember for the life of me who it was, but they were like ranting to me about like, you know, the the closeness of being stuck in the house with your family and your loved ones and complaints, complaints, complaints about how we were never meant to be together this much, this much time. And I just found that so like counterintuitive, like backwards from anything that made sense. And then I thought to myself, well, yeah, that's like what society has taught us. Society has taught us to, you know, shape these lives, to work towards these goals of buying a house that we barely ever live in because we're always at work and we're never there together, barely creating moments except for maybe on the weekends, if you're lucky in between, you know, practices and events and all the different things for moments of time that are so slim, not together always. And this time, like how precious is this time? Although there's all this horror that's going on in the world, how precious can this time really be in your household and in your community? I think back to times where literally the only people we could socialize with were my neighbors down the block. They have little kids. We have little kids. We used to sit and have cocktails in the driveway. We would let our kids run wild in the streets. We built great relationship during that time, strong community. And to that day, those relations, to this day, those relationships that I built back then and the time that I spent together back then, even with my family under my own roof has shifted things so much for me personally. And I just think like how many people may have missed that and how many other people are really, really thriving in the other side of what that is now. I think that's really interesting. And it makes me think about like the community aspect of all of this and how, again, that is so, so, so important to be able to know the people you're around so deeply and really understand like what you're getting yourself into when you interact and you like wake up and open your eyes in the morning. It's like, what space am I in? How do I maybe 
create shields, create boundaries, conserve my energy? How do I open up? How do I expand? How do I become present? Like these are all questions to ask of oneself on a day-to-day basis. And I think that in the busyness and the craziness of life, we kind of get wrapped up in that and we forget to ask these questions. And then what happens? Like the disconnect is there. The disconnect exists because of that lack of questioning of oneself, I think. And I don't know, just from my own exposure, I'd say that the people who are the ones who are out there really questioning themselves deeply so much more often are the ones you want to stick around because those are the ones who are ever evolving. And growing means adjustment with the world as it goes. Nothing around you is stopping. (laughs) Like we're here and there's just like, think about what's going on literally in the universe, all of these things physically around us. And how we're such a small little piece of it. If you can't be connected and in good spirits and in good energy and just your little piece, then like, what are you really giving to this space, to to any space that you show up in? What is it then? I'm genuinely asking that question not to be like condescending. I just want to know, like, what else even is there? I don't know. Katie, do you have something to say about that? Um, not directly, but I wrote something down because you were talking about doing things messy. And I think that the pandemic itself, while being such a devastating time for so many people mm-hmm. and not taking away from that at all, it did force everyone in pretty much the world to do things messy because nobody knew what the right thing to do was right like we were all just making the best decisions we could with the information we had at the time whether it was related to the pandemic or you know adjacent to it right like we were making the best decisions we could about our careers at the time because you know industries were shut down and things like I remember the day that we shut down that like the mandates came down in New York that um you couldn't be in the workplace it was like at nine o'clock in the morning they said we had to reduce it reduce the number of people in the office by like 25 percent by like noon they said it had to be 50 percent and by the end of the day it was like everyone go home and I remember literally being I, I got to work that day. Um, the managers and partners went into a meeting. They were in there for like three hours. They called everybody else into a meeting to establish this plan. They had things printed out. They had all of these things of, you know, who was going to be in the office on what days. And they're going through this plan. And at some point, one of the partners had walked out um, and came back in about 10 minutes later and said, everyone stop they just changed the mandate. We now have to be at 50% capacity. And I just remember looking at his face and like they had just spent all morning slaving over this plan to like make their business survive and figure Mm -hmm. out a way to make it through this week, let alone how long it ended up being. Um, to just have it like completely ripped apart and say, nope, now you got to change your plan entirely. And like, 
that feeling of us all being in a room and just being like, we don't know what the next step is. Nobody knows what the next like plan's gonna be. Nobody knows what tomorrow's gonna hold. So like everyone go back to your desk or everyone go home and just we'll figure it out. And that's what it ended up being by the end of the day was take your laptops, take all your files, go home. We'll let you know what's going to happen. And that's just like the day of example of what the pandemic did for, I mean, things are still happening, but for Mm -hmm. like years, (laughs) and never would we have ever imagined that you know, we thought it was going to be 14 days, like you said, and, you know, months and years later, we're still not, you know, back to normal. Um, But it forced everybody to take things day by day, figure it out. Like everyone had to be creative. Everyone had to figure out number, Number one, a lot of people had to figure out how to survive, right? We all needed to figure out how to live through this because it was terrifying. Um, two, you had to figure out how you were going to survive financially because so many people lost their jobs and it complete industry is shut down. And then you had to figure out how you were going to live, you know, personally, mentally with your family, your relationships. Like you said, abuse went up, addiction went up. Um, there were so many different things that we had to just figure out one hour, one day at a time. And I think in a lot of ways, that was a blessing because a lot of us, you know, we live our lives with a plan, right? Like we have, we know where we want to be next year, five years from now, 10 years from now. And to actually have to take a step back and be like, I need to figure out today. And we're going to get creative to figure out today is such a blessing and such a lesson to learn from the whole thing Um, because we can get so stuck in those plans and then you miss out on so many things along the way. Um, And I I think that the pandemic for all, you know, the, the negative that was happening through the whole thing, there was a lot of positive too. I think it's so interesting what you both have said because um, you talk about the plan, Katie, and you talked, Melissa, about the openness and expansion and the disconnect. And it's and it's interesting because um, I was just having this conversation today um, with a friend who's also in my industry, and she said, you know, I thought when the pandemic occurred and everything got shut down. Now, when people came back to the industry, i.e. the entertainment industry, that there would be so much more compassion and there'd be so much more forgive and so much more raising each other up. And instead, it became so much more secretive, cloaked, very close to the chest, um, very much like a very opposite of what was what was hopeful for. And it's interesting because um, because. I remember those 14 days. I mean, I remember we, I had just wrapped a series. I had, we had just lost my mom two weeks before the country shut down, not due to COVID, but due to her fist stroke. And then about a week later, we wrapped the series that I was doing with this lead actor. And within uh, 
I think it was nine days of the country shutting down, but my husband and I knew, like, and we knew that, you know, this was going to happen. I mean, I remember saying to my then lead actor, I think it was, um, I don't remember if it was January or February, but, you know, where things had like come, they had gone from China to Europe. Mm-hmm. And that person, my act, the actor I was working with at the time was supposed to go to Europe to do a show. And I remember saying to them that morning, do you, did you hear the news? And he was like, what news? And I said, did you hear how COVID has transferred from, you know, China to, I, you know, I think they said landed in Spain and that's where they were supposed to be going to film. And he said, I did. And then that's when they brought in their assistant called in their assistant into the trailer to see, you know, like what was, you know, like I need to talk to these executives and da 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 because we need to make a plan. And um, when that assistant walked in, they were as if like, they don't even listen to the news. Like they had no idea any of this was happening. And, and to, their, to their defense, they were not alone. There were many people who were completely clueless of world news or anything that was happening, you know, um, why people were getting so vilely ill that were probably, who probably had the shit before people even really realized or, you know, why they couldn't shake really terrible respiratory issues, you know, that, that may not have been the contagion that turned into what it turned into, but nonetheless. But ironically, because of, I don't know, because of why, whether it's my science experience or my intuitive self or whatever the case may be, that I remember when they said 14 days and I went, oh, hell no, this is going to be at least two years. And I knew that I could not say that out loud because people would have lost their fucking minds but I was like this is this is not going to be 14 days people this is a world global issue that we are not prepared for like no matter what we've experienced up till now this is like going to be something that none of us are prepared for and I remember (laughs) all crazy things starting about about within that 30 days, like it was the month of April. I think it was the month of it. No, it was, it ended up being the beginning of May that I started a meditation group, offering people a 30 day meditation group to help them mentally, like giving them daily um, lessons for them to work through. So by the time end of May came through, they like had like some sort of a ring buoy to kind of like gravitate towards. But in addition to that, I remember, so Randy and I never get to have dinner together. You know, we're working 15, 18 hour days. We can't make plans. Like when I tell people I'm unable to make a plan to go to a wedding or go to a shower or go for breakfast or meet my family. It's, It's a real statement. Like up till now, it's, Randy and I had more meals together collectively during that period, that first, you know, I don't know, however many months than we ever had in all the time we were together. And that was a gift for us. And I was, we were just recently in our backyard 
And I remember saying, do you remember when, like, during that May to that, through that summer, when we were sitting in the backyard and, like, we would be staring in the backyard trying to imagine what, like, how we wanted to design our backyard because it was pretty rough back there. It was rough because, like, the grass had a difficult time growing. And when we first bought the house, the neighbor behind us asked us to turn off the sprinkler system because they were painting their house. And they didn't want our sprinkler system hitting their house, even though there was a fence and all the things. So we said, be nice neighbors. Yes, of course. Man, our grass never grew after that. And then there was like the gophers and it was the this and then it was the rains and it was this. And, you know, so basically we were staring at weeds and dirt. And, you know, I would try to feng shui the backyard with moving furniture back and forth and all just to try to make it a pleasant kind of backyard because that was our sanctuary. That was our saving grace. And, you know, it's interesting how how it's evolved. I mean, ironically, we hired designers to come up with concepts. So when we could redesign our yard, how we would manifest it into reality. And though those plans haven't been manifested, how other things have taken course since to be able to enjoy the yard in a whole other way three years later, that it's like amazing the simple like remedies that, you know, that were kind of big, big decisions, but the payoff so much greater just simply because of those making, taking action. But it's, it's interesting when you talk about like, you know, we live in a universe that's all about change. All we are is energy. And it's basically we're quantum physics. That's what we are. We are the it's quintessential quantum physics existence in the form of human bodies that probably reincarnate again and again and again. And who knows in reincarnated life, like, you know, just in this discussion alone, we discovered you guys could have been my spirit babies. Like what is, I mean, in all the time we've been spending together to actually have, because I was pregnant twice in that year. So anything is totally possible. And I know I didn't have you, but it wouldn't surprise me. And do I think of you as my daughters? Well, no, I think of you as my girlfriends, but yeah, it's really possible. So hello, wake up, you know, like what, you know, and, you know, and I think about these last three years and the expansion and doing it messy, you know, um, I think about all the things we all got faced with, whether it was, you know, our industry shutting down and how you take care of yourself financially, how you take care of yourself mentally, you know, to this day, mental health is off the charts. People are worse off three years later than they were three years ago. There are issues with people not wanting to come back to work. So that's why so many industries are like, struggling because they can't get enough people to do the jobs, create the services. My sister and I were talking about this yesterday. She lives up in Seattle and talking about how she went to ride her bike to the ferry. And though she looked at the schedule multiple times, when she finally arrived there, 
And once you arrive there to be on time for the, the to take the ferry, the ferry didn't take off. Oh my God, excuse me, because the podcast, the babies have just been fed and now we're protecting our food. Um, so needless to say, it's classic. So needless to say, um, uh, what ended up happening was the fairies had to admit that they couldn't take off for another hour and a half because they didn't have enough employees to service the ferry to transport people. And so what we're all dealing with, so my point is, is that, you know, I remember thinking, <laughs> I remember thinking that um, I was dealing with limited beliefs and managing expectations. And that was a lot that came up in conversation during that time. And the irony is belief is such a big, big thing. Like, you know, like being a visionary is about believing before it actually occurs, before it actually manifests into reality, right? So it's interesting what my beliefs are and what I've been able to just not me as in me, Felicia, but in general, what I'm as the example, what I've been able to believe into manifesting into reality. So you both know that, you know, I wanted to produce a podcast. I've lost track of time now. Probably I say now, I say randomly now, nine years ago. I really don't know how long ago it was. And having done and having attempted that and, you know, and that and that not happening, but, you know, planting the seed and then it happening through our meeting. I think about the athleisure brand, how I had hoped that three years later, I wear these pieces every day, you know, multiple pieces a day, love the product, all the things. It is yet to, but I gave myself a three to five year plan. It is yet to manifest into the level that I want, not because I don't believe, but because I know that oh, my limited beliefs and my fear of what other people are going to think in other my other careers, that that held me back along with other life experiences. Whereas this podcast has manifested into something like, I don't need to question my commitment or my consistency or my loyalty or my accountability or my ability to create success because this is the perfect example of that let alone all other things that I've done in life but it's fascinating how this period of time has put so many of us into this questioning. And I can even use the most recent example of surviving or thriving into now remission. Because in November of last year, when I got my diagnosis after four months of not being heard, had it not been for my using my voice, had it not been for my getting the support that I needed and the right aligning with the right people, you know, who's to say, but that's not the reality. The reality is I manifested the success of aligning with the right people, being heard, and being assertive in the way that was supported and turned into me being alive and me being in this place. And I, ironically, today, one of the things that I wrote to somebody was how I feel lost and how I'm trying to figure things out. 
and what my purpose is and where I'm supposed to be going. And my point to that is, is that I think women go through this identity crisis, not that men don't, but I think women get challenged with these identity crises a lot, not because you can't have a plan, not because you don't have a vision as a little girl, not because you don't set out and become the cum laude and the, you know, the award-winning blue ribbon horseback equestrian and the national award-winning artist and the number one cellist and the this, that, and the other. And, you know, you're the, you know, the <clears throat> head of the cheerleading squad and all the things you can imagine. But life happens when you least expect things to occur? And then how do you adjust and flow? And who do you turn to that don't have to be your therapist, but are your girlfriends? Not just in life, but in business, as well as just in general. Like who do you get to sit down and gather around the campfire and just be yourself with and not be judged and thrown under a bus and, 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 and now you don't matter because you haven't achieved your million dollar, you know, level of achievement yet mentality. Like what, like what, like all three of us don't already want to be financially free and multi multi-millionaires or bazillionaires. And, you know, no matter what our age, because, you know, you can, you, you both could be millionaires right now. And I'm not saying this, by the way, we all could have been millionaires at age 29, and I lost it. Like people do that shit all the time. They get, they, they get it, they lose it, they get it, they lose it, or, or, or they build, build, build and lose sense of reality. Like whatever the life lessons or experiences are, there's, there's a myriad of them, right? And it's just a matter of like, how do you just stay present to just what is in the moment, like you were saying, Melissa, and Katie, and just like, and deal with those, those things versus like, you know, versus like, how do I rule the world? Because in every different way, we all want to be at the top of our game or the best of the best. And, you know, be accomplished, whether it's and being a mother and a successful mother, or successful in our partnerships or successful in homeownership and real estate empires or, you know, business, multiple business corporations or, you know, or, or whatever. That, and that's all great. I believe at the end of the day, what are you going to be remembered for? how people are left feeling by your presence and your engagement and how you, you heard them and saw them as well as how you were heard and seen and your contribution in the most human, heartfelt sort of way. And I don't care how successful you are in life, if you don't have a way of really authentically showing up and being compassionate to others and leading by example, then to me, that's not, not very, I don't care how much money you have in the bank. For me, it sounds judgy, but it's not meant to. It's meant to really be a life lesson that no amount of money 
buys you happiness, can buy you freedom and choice, but it doesn't buy you happiness. It doesn't buy you being a good human being. It doesn't buy you making, you can literally leave people with a bad taste in your mouth. So there's just, I think that, you know, going back to like how this pandemic brought people together and how social media can have a positive. We all three see how people are doing their businesses on social media from coaches to trainers, to selling brands, to, you know, everything under the sun. But how are they, how are you creating you know, as they say, how do you create like trust and respect in a way that like sets you apart? And that for me is my ultimate goal to be this person, this woman who is true to myself to the core, which is why I believe that we all have successfully been brought together Besides the fact now that we decided that you're my spirit babies <laughs> and, and that, you know, because we both, we've all three said this in past meetings, like the fact that, yeah, we met, you two were already like joined at the hip and being the, th being a threesome is not always easy, especially whether it's with women or men, but women, ironically, and be able to grow and support and expand and continue to ask questions and sometimes related to building this you know great platform and others it's about like the life sculpture of questions that we all have that we put on the table and we have conversations about and I think the reason why we also connected is because the difference between this and us is that this is the greatest bank account we all have, is the conversation, the willingness to sit down and to explore these things that we're curious about and that do matter and help others while in our discussion not feel alone, feel a connection, feel relatableness, feel heard, feel like, oh my God, you too, you, 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 you're having these, you, these, you know, you're having these discussions as well, or I want to have those discussions. I want to have those connections and people are out there, the people out there listening, hopefully have that sort of like, that's what, what excites them from just hearing our exchange. Yes, absolutely. I just want to take it back for a second, like in tying this all together to what you said about being a visionary and just having an understanding that our subconscious mind thinks and understands in pictures, I think is a pivotal thing to know in the world, like just know in your experience as a human. And when you can understand like the science behind that and what that truly means to your lack of or your ability to use your imagination around your own life, that's pivotal for me. I think that everybody has their vision ingrained in their being somewhere. And it's just 
kind of a matter of like excavating and pulling it out and pulling away all the shit that is placed on us in the world. And how do you do that? How, how do you bring yourself back to presence? How do you bring yourself into the future of the vision? How do you think really big picture, very vivid view, and then dial it back and reverse engineer it step by step? So your day by day, your, your presence in every single moment, your values, your morals, your activities are all aligned with that bigger, vivid vision, and you can get it. What picture does it take today to achieve, to create, to be able to add that to the book for the bigger picture down the road? And I think, you know, life moves in chapters and it, this applies to all. It doesn't matter what chapter you're in. It's, it doesn't matter what was in the past. What matters is where you are today and how you move forward in your book of life from here to create that vision for yourself because you deserve it. And this work that we do together, we've all identified is a huge piece of our purpose in the world and how we show up and how we give ourselves the opportunity to connect. Because so many people can sit back and say, oh, well, that would be nice. I would love a platform. I would love a space. I would love, you know, a following or this, that, or the other thing. But where do you begin? Mm -hmm. Like, really, that's the question we have to ask ourselves. Maybe you want those things. Maybe we, we're seeking that for different reasons. Maybe it's, you know, for an end goal of getting exposure to have a certain level of career growth in something that you're doing. Or maybe it's just truly, like, I think it is for all three of us to really sh develop strong community mm -hmm. and develop strong business relationships and personal relationships off of that community mm -hmm. and support one another along the way. Like, that... I just think it's, again, it goes back to all of this questioning and that's your guide. It's like a map through life. It doesn't matter how many twists and turns you go around. If you can hold the vision and you can curate it and twist it and turn it and use your imagination that you've been gifted along the way to make it all that it could possibly be for you and those around you as you grow, the better it'll be. And I'm just so grateful to be able to be living in a time where we have this platform and I don't have to literally go outside and stand on the top of a rooftop and scream my words to the world to get it out there. Like we talked about social media here. We talked about technology. We talked about society and the life of women and generations and so many different things. And I think what it all comes back to is like, how do you align every single day with your purpose in some capacity and allow yourself to live it out? And then, for for me, it's this. For me, it's being able to just share and help somebody else be guided to the next step. Help, and that's not to be like, oh, well, I already know like how to do that or got there or whatever. I don't know anything about anything for anybody. All I know is that everybody knows for themselves. And I know that I know how to help people trust themselves. And if you can trust in your relationships as you build business, as you build podcasts, as you build whatever you're building, it's going to come together in a very authentic way. And that's why this space, this recording, this relationship, all of this exists right now because we are three women that are aligned with that right there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. Go ahead, Katie, please. I was just going to say, and to Melissa's point of like, um, 
like how we think in like visions and pictures and things and how uh Felicia how you were saying that like success isn't money um I think those two things really go hand in hand because money isn't a picture you can't um, like there's no amount of money that's won any specific life if you are basing your plan for your life around like a dollar sign and a certain amount of money and having like a certain amount in your bank account, it's going to be so much harder to get there than if you have a picture of what that money will get you, right? Like, what do you really want? Okay. You want a million dollars. What are you going to do with the million dollars? And if you can imagine what you're going to do with the million dollars, then you can come back from there much more easily than you can come back from, okay, how do I make a million dollars? There's 8 million different ways to make a million dollars, but I want to make a million dollars. That's going to get me this life looking like this. And this is how I want to live. And this is the environment I want to be in. And this is how I want to live my day to day. And this is what I want to wake up doing in the morning and what I want to see when I look out my window. That's so much more meaningful than an amount of money because an amount of money could look like a million different things. Um, So to both of your points, like we need to focus more on what we want our lives to look like rather than the amount of money that we need to make. Um, And I think even like through the pandemic and everything, the, the coaching world has blown up, right? Like the online coaching world has expanded like crazy. And you can see, I mean, if you like a couple things on Instagram, all of a sudden your feed will be flooded with all of these different kinds of coaches and everything. And I think these things are amazing. And I think that there is a time and place for coaches, of course, and I advocate for them. Um, we're podcast coaches ourselves. So, you know, I think there's a, a, a place for it, but I find, you know, when I'm scrolling through my feed and I'm seeing, I made a million dollars in six months, I go, okay, not really relatable. That doesn't sound realistic. Mm-hmm. How am I supposed to do that? Right. Mm-hmm. But like, if you scroll past somebody who's like, I now spend like, you know, eight hours a day dedicated to my family, or I now live in this place where I always imagined I would live. I connect so much more with that than with how much money it took you to get there. Right. Cause like the whole point of coaching is to encourage one another and to support one another to get to whatever your goals are. But if you can't show me what the fruits of that are visually, then I can't relate to it, right? Like I can't see myself in that vision. So we, if you're trying to put yourself out there and like, if, if, if you're a coach or if you're looking for a coach, like make sure that you're relating to an actual vision and not just a dollar sign because that can disappear at the drop of a hat too. 
Yeah, it's interesting you said that, Katie, because um, you're right. That that whole platform of the coach platform exploding on social media has, I mean, that's how we all connected. Not because, um, you know, because we aligned under one individual, though, you know, we were calling out what didn't work for us in that situation, not because we were being in judgment, but just, again, it's, it's how it authentically resonates. And it's interesting because, you know, I remember when I first made six figures and that first time, definitely, and that was a long time ago, that definitely did not, um, in the space, the environment I was in was so toxic I knew that my six figures never aligned with my experience, um, even though I was, um, you know, being a creative, though I was a filmmaker, though I was, you know, in the Hollywood industry. All, it was the people I was surrounded by that I could not get away from fast enough. So I knew and I learned at a very young age that, that did not buy me my happiness because I was so uncomfortable in the space because I wasn't with people that I liked and trusted. And, you know, they would, they might, they, they were putting cement blocks around my feet and, you know, wanting to knock me off a deck or a dock. It was just like, oh my God, get me away from, you know, and, and, and again, I couldn't, I couldn't imagine that, but getting back to ironically, the, the whys or the questions, what came up for me when you're both talking was, thinking about children when they're always asking, but why mommy, but why mommy, but why mommy, but why mommy, but why mommy? And, and we get so like, oh my God, stop with the whys. But the irony is they, you know, we're molding ourselves, these interested, curious little babies into the entities that we hope will go out into the world and make a difference and be a purpose and be of success and be of inspiration and lead in a way and be able to be self-sufficient, whatever that means, whether it's living off the land or building, you know, a skyscraper or teaching the world, you know, being the next Mandela's or Gandhi's or whatever, but leaving, you know, leaving of leading and leaving, uh, you know, glimpses of why they were put into this planet to do better. The irony is we've come through these worlds, probably starting with the Oprah movement, where it's like all oh, about the vision boards and blah, 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 blah. Well, little Felicia, I mean, if I showed you my walls, little Felicia was unconsciously consciously making vision boards at seven, eight, nine, nobody was, nobody was cueing these phrases called vision boards. Mm -hmm. I was just a little artist who liked to put up the things that stimulated me. So at the time, because this was in the 70s, I was seeing the original SNL cast who were like extraordinary. So I had cast members of sketch comedy cone heads up on my wall and I had blue ribbons and I had you know places around the world and I had all these different things that resonated with me at the time I didn't know consciously that I was creating my future 
I had no idea I was creating my future. But what it did was it did. It powerfully planted those seeds. I didn't have to write it down. and I just had it up on my wall. And that all manifested into reality. And I think the power of that alone, whether you know how to write out everything that you want to manifest or visually go through magazines or what have you, or have your whys, you know, like how I'm going to take that million dollars that you, you know, hope, you know, if that's your, if that's your goal, you know, to be able to put it together. But again, I think it goes, and it was something that dawned on me earlier. The bottom line is, and I think to, you know, kind of, you know, wrap up our conversation is this is not a competition. Life is not a competition. Life is life. We're lucky to be able to breathe. We're lucky to have all of our abilities to touch, feel, breathe, connect, do all these things. And when it comes to making money, that to me is also not a competition. That to me is not how can I outdo or impress or you know, live up against or, you know, outdo and out what let me tell you, if that if that is if that is where you're coming from, that is not who I align with at all. Mm-hmm. And if I feel like a fish out of water, it's because my gut is telling me that this community and I I love community and I love building community and I love leading and creating community. And what I'm personally here to share is my experience is community with women or whomever can be extremely nurturing and extremely successful and extremely supportive if you're coming from an authentic place. And I've seen coaches who have spoken on the amount of money that they have and the billionaire mindset with their planes and their helicopters and you know and all that shit um, I, I it's not that I don't it's not about the want it's about how I don't feel the authenticness authenticity rather under all of that because it's all for how you're going to raise up that one king and I don't, I don't believe in that. I believe that you've got to raise up a community. I talk about this a lot where, you know, um, you got to be able to take that triangle and flip it, flip it over, but you got to raise up the baseline of that, of that triangle where all those people get raised up. I know that that's why, like, you know, in a network marketing business model, th- that is more to the point. But then again, it's also who you align with in that business model and how that works to make it feel like it's the right fit. Because we all come into those business models hypothetically on our own. But you also got to remember who you're surrounded by and how that resonates with you to your core. And I think in life, People are always coming and going in one's life. And as women, we have to, you know, I, I just believe that 
there are, you know, there are really great women out there. And then there are women who are out for themselves. And I personally want to impress upon women that, you know, there's enough space for all of us and, and you can't be trying to compete with one another. That That's not going to serve. It's not who we're built to be. It's one thing if you're running a race in the Olympics. I understand. Yeah, I understand that. That I get. But when it comes to life and nurturing and supporting and raising each other up and all winning, that's a bigger mindset game. And that has got to come from a really healthy place, no matter what the business model looks like. You got to have healthy people leading and you got to be, you know, you just, you know, you got to kind of like pull back the curtain and see where these people come from without being judgmental and go, do they come from a solid family background? Do they really know how a healthy relationship is? Because if they do, then they probably, even if they come from dysfunction, end up understanding how to lead with compassion, empathy, and solving greater, bigger problems and not, you know, not um, acting like the mean girl. There's a Taylor Swift lyric. We just went to the Taylor Swift concert, so it's, it's coming to mind. Um, but, but she says, we all, Taylor Swift. <laughs> she says, we all know now we all got crowns. And like that to me is the epitome of like women supporting women. Like, let's just get on board with the fact that we're all amazing. Like we all just need to like help each other up. We're not competing against one another it doesn't have to be a competition like you said it's like let's just realize that we're all different and amazing in our own way and let's just help each other out <laughs> like what are we doing well and the reason why we call this podcast the can't be fan center podcast is so we could talk about all the things but I when I was a camp counselor which is where I learned to be a mother unbeknownst to me was I didn't care what the little girl or middle school girl or whomever I had in my cabin and how very different each and every individual was I was going to inclusively raise them as a family unit where everybody felt that they were included that they were seen that they were heard whether it resonated with me or not, because I remembered as a little girl what that felt like to either feel like I was a part of things or felt excluded. And there's nothing worse than not feeling like you are a part of something mm -hmm. and finding your own strength and your voice in that journey through that, being given that space to do that. And I think that's the ultimate thing that we have the power to do and it is a very powerful tool. And that to me leaves a lingering effect of, you know, why this all works. Because I think that that to me is like what matters. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, just having that common understanding of like, we're here in this together. I heard someone say something like this. I don't remember who that was either. I'm having trouble recalling a little bit today. Um, stuff like that. But that 
like we're all so interconnected. You hear that so often, but this guy said it in such an eloquent way, stating how like we're all just similar to what you said earlier, little particles. And we're all part, he said, we're all part of the same house. So when you get your house in order, you're getting it in order for everybody. You're supporting one another, something along these lines. And I just thought that was so moving and beautiful. And I think it, it just relates back to everything we talked about here today. When we can support one another just blindly for no reason whatsoever, you're not just helping one another you're helping yourself you're helping the collective you're you're helping <laughs> overall so just show up and be a good person and align with the right communities and the right corners of the world all over the place as often as you possibly can and be authentic and i think good things will come so as long as we can keep doing this like i will <laughs> you know as as long as i possibly can i will and I think that, um, you know, it really says something to be able to stand up for the things you believe in in a very uh, local and vulnerable way. And to me, that's what podcasting is. Like, it's the perfect opportunity to just shine your light in that way and let others know that it's needed to do that as well. So thank you for just making this happen today. And both of you for taking the time to just show up here. I think that anytime we have these conversations, it's just a great time and it feels good and it feels real and wholesome and I'm grateful for it. Yeah, no, thank you both for taking the time because we're on a three hour different time zone situation. And I know it's late and you're both tired mamas and, uh, and it means a lot to me that we get to sit down anytime that we get to sit down because we do always have really rich, very layered onion conversations that are not linear. They're like, no, we've got to talk about this. And then that leads to that. And it's, I think, uh, I think the way, you know, I think we're showing people how conversations really are valuable. Right. Um, and so, and create the support and the connection that matters. Right. Agreed. I think the best conversations are sometimes the ones that you don't remember how you got from one thing to the next. <laughs> Three. <laughs> That's the perfect wrap up. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as we did. Sitting down with Katie and Melissa is such an ease and it's amazing how even though we come from different generations and have been exposed to different times of history how in alignment the three of us are and the willingness to continue to be open and expand and teach one another um it's been such a joyous adventure creating with them and continuing to look forward to doing some more of the same. And next week, look forward to sharing more new podcasts with guests all in queue, ready for you. So much love, continue to show up and be a part of the Camp Fifi Uncensored podcast community. Share, join, and subscribe. 
because it's here where the spirit is young, the soul is wise, and the life experiences are vast. And we love to talk about everything from cannolis to <laughs> s'mores. And don't forget the egg in the holes, which is ironic because we just switched that around. So see, you never know. Join us around this campfire because it's a joy to connect and converse and look forward to sharing more of the same. Bye for now. Much love. Oh, 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 oh